everyone. Welcome to the Beauty and Behavior Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Sorensen, mother, grandmother, former teacher, and currently supporting parents who want to understand their children's behavior at a deeper level. This is where we talk about changing our perception and limiting beliefs around behavior to a more conscious approach to understanding ourselves, each other, and our most vulnerable population, our children. I share my self-discovery journey and what I've learned along the way and what I'm currently discovering as I continue evolving on this journey. My hope is that as we become more conscious of how we show up for ourselves, our children, and others, that we'll discover the beauty that lies within us all. So I hope you enjoy today's show. Hello, everybody. Another week, another podcast. I am so happy that you are here. I have a very special guest here today, and I think this conversation is going to just be so filled with uh, knowledge um, and things that you can take away. Um, I have Dr. Kate Lund here. Uh, Dr. Kate is a licensed clinical psychologist. She's a published author and a keynote speaker. So let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Kate. Is that, is that okay if I call you Dr. Kate? Sure. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. So Dr. Kate struggled as a child with a medical condition called hydrocephalus, which made some of the typical activities of childhood challenging. And her parents' unwavering belief in their child built an inner resilience that led to a successful career and life despite her challenges. She worked as a radio reporter while in college interviewing some notable figures such as Barbara Bush and Ivan Lendl, the number one tennis player in the world at the time. She was also a White House intern for Bill Clinton. As a licensed clinical psychologist, she has worked with major hospitals, schools, and hundreds of parents. Her international best-selling book, Bounce, is the ultimate guide to helping children build resilience and thrive in all areas of life. So Kate's mission is to help parents bring out the best in their kids to create the leaders of our future. I think that is so great, the leaders of our future, because that is what they are going to be, right? They're our next leaders. So welcome, Dr. Kate. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Yes. And so your book, Bounce, is kind of a resilience roadmap, would you say? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Well, we'll get into some of that, but Let's back up a little bit and talk a little bit about how you came to be here. What, what was your childhood like and how were you able to overcome your challenges and have such great success? Gotcha. Yeah. So, so my childhood, you know, at, at sort of baseline in the big picture was, was great. It was a great childhood, but I, um, at four was diagnosed with a medical condition called hydrocephalus, as you mentioned up front. And what that means is um, the cerebral spinal fluid isn't circulating as it should, and it causes many problems, um, 
you know, terrible headaches, nausea, loss of balance, just couldn't do or couldn't be a typical child at that point when that happened. Um, and it took a, a pretty long time to figure out why it had happened, but um, they can treat it by putting in something called a shunt, which actually circulates the cerebral spinal fluid that isn't circulating by itself. Um, and so when the shunt is working, you know, I was in great shape, you know, I was able to be a pretty typical child with this thing going on in my background. Problem is shunts break down a lot, particularly in um, young children. So because of that, I had a lot of time in and out of the hospital, a lot of shunt revisions, a lot of, you know, coming back to school with a shaved head and looking different than a lot of the other kids and not really being able to engage in the the typical activities of childhood, so to speak. Um, so there were some really, really tough moments in there for sure. Um, you know, and the good thing in it was that I did have a very supportive, um, you know, life at home parents, my teachers um, at school were quite supportive of me. They did their best to understand um, the challenges and help me to um, circumvent them in a sense. Um, but really, uh, one thing that was particularly important was when my shunt was working, when things were kind of going okay, you know, my parents had expectations for me that were very similar, if not the same, to those of my brother who didn't have these challenges. So they sort of instilled this belief in me, in my abilities, despite the challenges from a very early point. And that, I think, was a key catalyst for you know, me being able to internalize that idea of being capable despite challenge and carrying that forward as as more challenges related to the medical situation came up and just, you know, typical challenges of life that we that we all face. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so key. You felt they treated you no as you were as if you were capable, because you were capable. Of course, exactly. And didn't let you know, this very real challenge, this medical situation, which was not sort of, you know, fixed in one fell swoop. It's kind of an ongoing thing, right? And so that was there, but it never defined me. And I never internalized it in a way that it was going to define me. Um, and, and that, I think, was a result of, um, you know, my parents very early on, um, teachers in my life, uh, you know, I couldn't do contact sports. I couldn't do a lot of the things that the other little girls were doing, like gymnastics and, you know, hanging upside down on the balance beam or jumping on trampolines. But um, we figured out pretty early that I liked tennis. And so that was sort of fostered um, along the way. And that really became the way early on that I defined myself. I was a tennis player. Yeah. So, so you found the things you could do exactly rather than focusing on the things you could not do. Exactly. And that is a huge, huge piece. And it was so, so important um, for me growing up, you know, what, what was I able to do? What could I do? Even if I couldn't do it, you know, the best, you know, out of other people doing it, but I could still do it. And that was the important piece. Yeah, and that's one thing I have learned along the way too, is to we have to kind of train ourselves, right? To look at the positive or to um, find 
the positive things that our children are doing, or even that we are doing, because we have this, um, you know, negativity bias and right. so used to going to the negative. Oh, yes, absolutely. As, as human beings, we do have, unfortunately, this, this negativity bias. It's sort of like where we go, like, what didn't go well? What could we have done better? Why didn't we do that better? But you know, it's it's really important for all of us across the lifespan. And I'm constantly working with my clients on this idea now. Is okay, you know, let's try to neutralize that negativity bias. Let's try at least to focus on, you know, some of the things each day that are going well. You know, what did happen that was positive, that sort of thing, to neutralize that natural bias that we have to kind of go the other way. Because I mean, challenge is real. We have to contend right. with it. But, you know, neutralizing that is important as well. Yeah. And I have learned that, you know, to train myself to, you know, it, it was so easy to, at the end of the day, go, you know, think about the things I didn't get done today um, mm -hmm. or get up in the morning and think about I didn't get enough sleep last night. So I really kind of started there and started yes. training myself in the evening to go, what did I get done today? What, mm -hmm. what did I do? What did I have time for? Right. And exactly. in the morning, being grateful for the sleep that I did get, even though sometimes, you know, it might have gotten disrupted or whatever, but at least I got some sleep in there, right? Exactly. Precisely. That's a really, really important point. Yeah. Um, okay. So one of the things in your book is about raising confident optimistic and happy kids. So Dr. Kate, how do we do that? Raise confident, optimistic and happy kids. It's all what we all want to know. Well, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's a really important question, right? And so, you know, these are, are three of the pillars um, that are in my book, Bounce. Um, you know, there, there are nine pillars in there. No, I'm sorry, seven pillars in there that came from sort of my own experiences as a child in terms of what helped me to move through and beyond challenge, that sort of thing, as well as, you know, the work that I've done for the past two decades with, you know, hundreds of, of different families facing, you know, challenges of their own. Um, so happy, confident, optimistic kids, right? We want to first and foremost believe in our kids. We want to believe in what's possible for them, you know, while at the same time helping them to navigate through and beyond challenge. But we really want to at baseline believe in these children, believe in our kids and help them to define from the inside out what's possible for them. So help them to identify passions, identify strengths and work within those passions and strengths to better understand themselves and, you know, engage in, in the life around them. And so, you know, that's sort of at, at the baseline, at the foundation in terms yeah. of, in terms of um, optimism, you know, just as we were talking about before, you know, helping them to take time each day to look at what is going well, what is positive around them, help them to kind of develop an innate sense of gratitude. That's, that's a really important point, as opposed to always going to the negative, which is ultimately, if, if young kids are doing that too much, gonna um, sort of foster in them or teach them to externalize their problems. And we don't want that. We want them to be able to 
kind of solve things, move through and beyond challenge from the inside out using their own resources, that sort of thing. Mm, I love how you said from the inside out. Can you, how does one help their child build those skills from the inside out? Well, you know, it, it takes time, of course, right? So we want to be sort of planting the seeds or fostering that ability from a very early age, you know, sort of talking to our kids, um, modeling for our kids what that might look like. Um, those are really, really important things. Listening to our kids when they have a, a challenge or when something isn't going right, you know, really being there to listen without coming, you know, right back with a problem solving, like you need to do this, you know, really kind of talking through with them what's happening and what might some possible solutions be. Um, so that's important. Also, another thing that's really important is this idea of, um, you know, helping our children to face their fears, you know, kind of step out of their out of their comfort zone in a sense and take healthy risks, you know, that are going to kind of establish in them this internal belief that, oh, that was really scary or I thought that was going to be really scary. I thought I wasn't going to be able to do that. But you know what? I did. I, you know, I, I took that chance and it, it went okay. Or I took that chance and it didn't go okay. But you know what? I tried again and I made it happen the next time. So helping our kids to understand that is a very important part of the process as well. Things aren't always going to work out the first time. Right. Take that next step. Try again. Yeah. What do you say to the parents that I hear so many parents say this, and I said it myself too, that we have this fear of messing up our kids. Like I don't want to mess this up. Right. Yeah. And, and I do, I hear that all the time and, you know, there's no manual, right? There's no manual for telling us exactly how to do this. And, you know, and all kids are different, right? So there's really not one way of doing any of this parenting thing. I mean, I've got 14 year old twin boys, um, great kids, very different, right? They're very close, but they're very different in terms of, you know, their styles, their likes, their academic trajectories, just everything, their social trajectories. Um, so really understanding our kids where they are and within their own unique context and helping them to appreciate that context in and of themselves. That also helps on the internal locus of control sort of from the inside out thing, but that's really the most important thing that we can do as parents. And so I always kind of pivot that question in that direction, since there is no sort of manual for, you know, this raising kids is not an A plus B equals C equation. Yeah, right. And do you think, so you were talking about me appreciate where they are and understand where they are. Do you think there's also an element of understanding ourselves where we are? Um, what do you say to that? 
Absolutely. I mean, across the board, right, for all of us across lifespan, this idea of self-awareness is so important in all aspects of our lives, but absolutely in parenting, right? Because if we don't understand ourselves, you know, at least to the best of our ability, at least, you know, making an effort to understand ourselves, we're not really going to be able to understand others, particularly not our kids. And so that, yes, self-awareness, building self-awareness is so, so important and really important to kind of through our discussions, through our modeling with our kids, help them to develop this foundational level of self-awareness that will then grow over time. Yeah, I think that self-awareness piece too is so huge. One thing when I started this journey of, you know, being more conscious in my approach as, as a mom and really as a teacher and in life, sure. um, I, there was this phrase, we can't teach what we don't know, or we can't teach skills that we ourselves don't possess. Um, and as I started gaining information, I'm like, whoa, this, I, it, it brought me such an understanding of why I do the things that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then building in practices to actually model the things I wanted to be modeling. Because before I was really aware of it, I was doing all kinds of things that I was telling my kids not to do, you know, kind of that do as I say, not as I do. Yes. Um, And I think a lot of those practices, you know, we, some of our traditional practices really, you know, we end up unaware that we're modeling some of the things that we are not wanting our children to do without even really knowing it. Right, exactly. You know, and that that can happen. Um, And so that's why sort of our own sort of internal locus of control and our own level of self-awareness are so important and to be sort of working on those things in and of ourselves as parents um, is is very important. Yeah, and so I love how, you know, your book and others of how to help our children grow. I always think, you know, turn that also on ourselves and use all of those skills on ourselves as we are helping our children. Exactly. That is such an important point. And really all of the um, pillars outlined in my book, Bounce, apply to all of us across the lifespan. It just so happens that I wrote the book from the perspective of the elementary school child because my kids were kind of in that phase when I wrote the book and all of the anecdotal stories, um, you know, sort of came from what I was observing and directly seeing at that time. But all of the, the pillars, I mean, we all need to, you know, be able to manage our emotions and tolerate our frustrations, you know, kind of uh, be aware of uh, social pressures and understanding individual difference, all of these things. Optimism, we all want to be fostering optimism in ourselves and we want to be courageous and able to take calculated risks. So absolutely, that is a huge point that you make. Yeah. And so one of the things that really caught my eye too is helping our child develop social skills through emotional intelligence and self-awareness, which we are, you know, talking about. Right. I have, I mean, I think emotional intelligence is the really, in my opinion, the key 
that in traditional or traditional practices has been kind of overlooked or left out or you know we don't really pay attention to it right. what would you say to that right so you know it's 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 a huge area you know to to look at and perhaps you know it's an area the whole area of emotional intelligence is becoming more of a focus right and right. and and right. so um I think that it's coming more into people's awareness and so, so important to foster it in our kids, again, through modeling, through discussion, through helping them to understand, you know, how their behavior is affecting others, how, um, how uh, you know, they're responding in the face of individual difference and, you know, sort of really incorporating the idea that we're not all the same. And that will then help them to understand and appreciate their own unique individual context. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think I, I work with parents who, what do you say about when the parents are triggered, when, when the child has emotions and the parents are triggered? You know, how do they deal with this? Yeah, and that's that's a really important point as well. And this is this is what I say to that, and I, I work with parents and, and kids on this all the time. Um, we need to manage our own stress resp response consistently across the board, because the thing is, if we're, you know, starting at sort of an even baseline when a stressor hits, you know, we might elevate a little bit, and but it'll be easier to come back down to baseline. If we're not managing our stress response and we're starting up here in terms of being, you know, our intensity and a stressor hits, our kid has a tantrum or is having their own set of emotions and we spike, you know, it will kind of send us into a spiral as parents that we don't really want to be in. And it'll, you know, perhaps even shut down our ability for effective parenting, that sort of thing. So managing our stress response is so vital. And the way that we can do that, you know, there, there, there are a, a myriad of ways that we can do that. But, you know, one of the primary ways is practicing some sort of a mindfulness technique each day, maybe several times a day. Um, you know, there, there are many, many mindfulness techniques out there, many, many mindfulness apps, you know, just finding something that fits your sort of personality, your sort of approach. Um, but the consistency is key. And oftentimes folks are like, I don't have time for that. I don't know. It's not, but really important to just try it and get into a routine. Also exercise. So, so important um, in that way, because we know sort of the, the, the power of physical activity exercise in helping us to manage our emotions or stress response across the board. Um, you know, spending time outside, music, finding something that will help bring down the intensity of where you are in that given moment consistently is so, so important. And that will help with those moments that you mentioned in terms of our kids being worked up or having, you know, and it works really, really well for, for teachers too in the classroom. Yes, yes. Um, and I love how you stressed consistency you know, I think yes. so much of the time we are in this all or nothing, you know, exactly. Like, oh, we're going to, you know, do all these things and then we do it for a week or two right. <laughs> and then it starts to fall off and then it's like, okay, I'm not doing it at all anymore. 
Well, exactly. And that's a huge point as well. Very, very important point. All or nothing is so, you know, as humans, we're kind of wired, we'll, we'll go in that direction. Well, if we can't do all of it, we're going to do none of it. But really what we need to do is change that paradigm and think, you know, one or two small steps forward each day, things will build, you know, and a consistent routine will, will form. And we want to kind of think of this in terms of, you know, building sort of the foundational, um, these are foundational building blocks for our wellness, you know, and small steps forward. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. So sort of changing the paradigm on our thinking there is so important. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is small steps done consistently is much more effective than doing it, doing bigger steps, but then falling off. Exactly. Precisely. Precisely. Yeah. And I think you, you're right about changing that paradigm of it just needs to be a tiny step, you know, micro. Yes. I, 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 in my experience with with myself, um, I've experienced that the smaller the step, the more likely I'm going to be to be consistent. But here's, here's what trips us up. We're like, well, what good is just that going to do? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. We want like, we want impact right now. You know, we want it to, you know, right. have, a, we want, have it all change right now. We want results. We want the change yes. in yeah. the immediate. And that's just not reality, right? Change takes time. And it takes time to integrate that change into our baseline, our way of being and living. So reminding ourselves of that point is so important. Yeah. And then as you become consistent, you do feel more capable right? Yes. And you, yes. you know, add on to it. You feel more uh-huh. capable and, you know, you'll notice over time sort of a bolstering of your overall sense of well-being. And that's sort of the goal, you know, here is sort of bolstering our, our overall sense of well-being so that we can be doing all of these things to the best of our ability. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, let's see, how much time? Oh, we're almost up, but I do want to just bring this point in just for a moment here um, about handling uh, aggression or handling bullying by building what you say, bulletproof self-belief. Can you give us just a little snippet of what you are saying there? Right. Well, you know, to, um, you know, because bullying is a very real problem, right? But to help our kids who are being bullied to contend with that, to manage that, it's really important that we're helping them, and this is easier said than done, but helping them to believe in themselves and their possibility from the inside out so that they're kind of able over time to deflect some of the negative impact of the bullying or by deflecting the bullying will just stop because you know it's it's just going to stop but um that's the the sort of core thing that we want to do up front when a child is being bullied and again there are other things that we want to be doing but really you know for all of our kids but particularly when there's a bullying situation we really need to focus in on how can we help this child believe in themselves and in their possibility from the inside out? Um, and that's a 
really, really important point. Yeah. And really it's about rather than, you know, I think traditionally we want to go right to that bully and, you know, have some kind of punishment or something. Um, but I, what I think I hear you say Dr. Mm -hmm. is to empower and give skills to let's say the victim, um, because when we do that and there's no victim, right. there's no bullying, right? Right. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. And really helping the child because it's so important for all children, but particularly when there's a, a bullying situation going on to really be, um, helping them to feel empowered, that they can overcome the challenges that they're facing. And then, you know, sort of above and beyond the challenges that they're facing related to the bullying, what are they capable of? Where can they go? How can they move forward? What's possible for them? And really helping them to internalize that idea as real is really um, helpful in this, in this way. But again, easier said than done takes time. It's certainly not a quick fix. Um, right. right. Yeah. And, you know, the bully too needs new skills, right? Sure. Because, um, you know, they're not just doing this because they feel like it. Well, exactly. There's often, pain there, right? Well, right. What we, what we know about bullies, um, you know, unfortunately, I mean, it's, it's really, really difficult, but they often are not coming from a place where they feel very good about themselves. Exactly. So they need exactly. to, you know, take that out somewhere. And unfortunately, right. in many cases, it's in the form of bullying or, or, you know, even if it's sort of um, not full blown bullying, it's in the form of tearing someone down or making them feel bad about themselves or so making on the difference or what have you. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and so it's really giving that victim a way of having a voice and really what this reminds me of is teaching them to have healthy boundaries and that that bully really needs to know the boundary with that person. And sure. I talk about healthy, healthy boundaries has become this, this topic that I've really become impassionate about and in knowing that I didn't have boundaries, um, you know, earlier in my life. And why a lot of people don't um, is because, you know, we have this pleaser mentality thing. You know, we want to take care of everybody's feelings and all of that stuff. Right. Yeah. The whole people pleasing thing. And that can become problematic if you're right, those boundaries are not maintained. And again, yeah. easier said than done, but really important seeds to be planting um, and helping our kids to develop these skills early on. Right. And, and figuring out how to do it ourselves yes. um, as the adults having healthy boundaries. Um, exactly. So, so important. Goes back to the point that all of these things that we're talking about really do apply to all of us across the lifespan. Yeah. 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 And because we want to be raising leaders and not pleasers and we want to be becoming leaders as well. Right. Yes. Whether that is the leader of our own self Exactly. leaders of our families or groups or teams of people you know i think we all have a role as a leader in the world precisely excellent excellent point so important okay well we'll end with that this was marvelous i could talk to you another half hour but we're going to end it here 
Thank you so much, Dr. Kate, for being here. This was just wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Diane, for having me. I greatly appreciate yes. it. And everybody go and buy the book, Bounce, Helping Your Child Build Resilience and Thrive in School, Sports, and Life. And are you on Instagram or anything, um, Dr. Kate, or where can people find you? Working on my on my website now, um, you know, my email is a way to reach me. Um, we okay. can do that. Uh, Show notes. And website is in process. Okay, super. Um, all right. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining in today. Go get the book Bounce, and let's start raising our leaders for tomorrow. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Beauty and Behavior Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I'm so very grateful for all of you who are showing up here with me because I believe subtle shifts create big impact. How we show up in our life, in our relationships, or our parenting impact our life, our children's lives, and the world. If you're ready to brave the wilderness of your beautiful soul, live life from the inside out, and create the life you want to live, head over to my website at diansorensen.net and get on my calendar to see if the Beauty and Behavior family is the right fit for you. I got you, and we'll talk again soon.